Meet us, O Christ, in the stillness this morning. Move us, O Spirit, to quiet our hearts. Mend us, O Father, from last year's harms. From the discords of last year, resurrect our peace. From the discouragements of last year, resurrect our hope. From the weariness of last year, resurrect our strength. From the doubts of yesterday, resurrect our faith. And from the wounds of yesterday, resurrect our love. Let us enter this new year aware of our need and awake to your grace, O Lord. Show us, stir us, not so much with what we want to do this coming year, but with what you might want to do through us, through each one of us. God, make us sensitive to your Spirit's leading. God, you're the one who spun the world into existence by simply speaking it into reality. So God, humble our hearts. Cause us to be hungry for your will, that your kingdom may come on earth as it is in heaven. And that you might use people like us to bring that about. God, what might you want to do through us this year? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Imagine with me a resume. And on the top of that resume says a couple things. It says I'm a good team player. Hardworking, always get my stuff done, and I'm good at eavesdropping. <laughs> One of those things doesn't fit. Hardworking, good team player, always getting my stuff done, and then good at eavesdropping. <laughs> I'm a community life pastor, so part of what that means is I don't hunker down in my office or just work from home. I do those things from time to time, but I like to be out and about as I'm, as I'm doing what I get to do and serving our church as a community life pastor. So that means I'm, I'm at coffee shops quite a bit. So there's probably 15, 20, honestly, coffee shops around Bellingham, greater Whatcom County that I've been to, worked at, plopped down at, d done my thing at, that sort of thing. And I got a couple go-tos. Um, but this is what I do. I, I walk into the coffee shop. I got kind of my, my bag with me. And I start scoping things out because I got to find my seat. I got to know where my seat is because some of you go to coffee shops and you're like there in and out, grab my coffee on the go, sit down, try to get a minute or two of, of peace and quiet. When I go to a coffee shop, I'm like, there, like six hours. <laughs> I'm there. Sometimes I, I move, just I change coffee shops in order to just get a change of scenery kind of thing. So I got I to gotta get my right seat. So I uh, scope it out as I'm walking through the door. I walk up to the register, order my coffee, black, a little bit of cream, and then walk my spot. Got to take a sip before you walk to your spot or else you spill. I've done that many a time. So take a sip, walk to your spot, plop my stuff down, um, open up my bag, kind of get, get, get my, 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 my space ready. So maybe I'll get my laptop out, my, my Bible, maybe a calendar and a book, whatever it might be. Start minding my own business. <laughs> and then people come up next to me and sit down at a coffee table. And so I have unintentionally eavesdropped on a whole bunch of conversations. I'll give you a couple examples. One of them, uh, <laughs> unintentionally eavesdropped. Unintentionally, that's key. One of them, I have eavesdropped in on conversations of breakups. That's a little weird. Um, start trying to like, ah, well, that makes sense. I see where she's coming from. Okay, I, don't, I got nothing. <laughs> You're both sinners. Here we go. Okay. 
Um, <laughs> eavesdropped in on, con- again, un- all of these are unintentionally, so I'm prefacing with that. Unintentionally eavesdropped in on conversations that are, that are study sessions. Some of you college students might know of these study sessions. Um, and then one of the, one of the, one of the college students uh, kind of tries to flip the script a little bit and turn it into a bit of a first date. And that has crashed and burned. I've, I've been part of multiple of those conversations. And then part of uh, eavesdropping in on conversations of families come in, I'm sitting down, minding my own business, doing my thing. People come in and they sprawl out like papyrus scrolls of their dream home. And the contractor comes in, they're like, okay, modern, vintage, rustic farmhouse, what are we doing? What about the hardware? Is it cohesive? All sorts of stuff like that. And they're, they're building their dream home kind of thing. So Ben, eavesdropping in on those conversations, eavesdropping in on conversations that end in good tears and in bad tears and everywhere in between. And some, sometimes just eavesdropping in on conversations like, man, how are you doing? What's going on? Usually, eavesdropping is a bad thing. <laughs> you don't want to be known as an eavesdropper. What we're going to do this morning is intentionally eavesdrop into a text that, 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 that is known as the high priestly prayer. In John chapter 17, where, where, where we're not just eavesdropping into a conversation, we're eavesdropping into the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the God-man himself, praying to his heavenly dad. So for us... Instead of kind of trying to tune out and not eavesdrop, we get to lean in. So, see, what I've done over the years is learn to bring these. <laughs> these are earplugs <laughs> when I'm working at coffee shops. So I put those suckers in, and then I don't eavesdrop on people's conversations. So instead of this, we get to lean in and intentionally eavesdrop into this, not conversation, but prayer of Jesus's. To his heavenly Father, John chapter 17. So if you're able and willing, would you get to your feet for the reading of God's words, page 903 in the black Bibles in front of you, John chapter 17. This is God's helpful, authoritative, from him, for us, word. Jesus praying to God the Father, Jesus says this. He says, I have manifested. Somebody say manifested. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Say kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I've given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them. And have come to know in the truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them. (laughs) I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All of mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I'm glorified in them. And I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you. 
And these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their, for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent. You can grab a seat. Man, there's a, a, a lot in this text. Some might say it's juicy. Maybe that's just me. Filled to the brim with God-inspired good stuff. What I want to do is, is um, highlight what I believe is the theme of these verses. Um, pull out a couple key points. Figure out how does this um, then have bearing on our life now. And do all that as we continue to come back to this question of, man, what does God want to do through me this year? So we'll start from the top, kind of take it verse by verse. Um, verse 6 says this, Jesus, again, eavesdropping in, us getting to eavesdrop in on his prayer to the Father. He, Jesus says, I have manifested your name to the people. I love the messages translation of that. It says, I spelled out your character in detail. Jesus is saying, man, I have manifested, Father, I've manifested your name to your people. I've spelled out your character in detail. I have revealed it. D.A. Carson says, God's name, it embodies his character. To reveal God's name is to make God's character known. We might ask ourselves, how does Jesus make God's character known? If you go left a little bit in your Bible, it's just a couple chapters in John 14, Philip, one of uh, Jesus' early friends and followers, asked Jesus, like, um, show us the Father. And Jesus says, man, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, a letter by one of the early church leaders named Paul written to this church in Colossae, he says this. He says, he, talking about Jesus, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says, he, talking about Jesus, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. Jesus since the first Christmas, has been the very best player at playing the old school game of show and tell. <laughs> Jesus shows us who God is and what he's like. In this text, Jesus is saying, man, I've been manifesting, verse 6, I've been manifesting your name and it's leaving a mark. It's doing something. 
Let's keep going. I've manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Listen then to what happens. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Geek out for a moment. That um, verb there is an imperfect tense, which means it's not like a, a once-and-done kind of thing. It's this, it's this ongoing implication of obedience. Obedience to what? To the word. The word is, is um, this catch-all for God's message, the good news, the gospel. Simply said, I think J.I. Packer said, that God saves sinners. That's how you got in if you're a Christian. <laughs> God saved you. God saves sinners. How? Through the perfect life of Christ. Him obeying where we haven't. Him dying on the cross in the place of anyone who would trust in Him. Him resurrecting from the grave three days later, saying this whole thing worked. God's exclamation point to the gospel, the resurrection. They kept His word. I was thinking, kind of dreaming a little bit, and thinking, man, what an aspiration for me and, 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 and for us as a church to be people who keep the word. <laughs> Simple, but nothing worth clinging to more than that. People who keep the word, unfiltered, uncut, God-inspired, not old, but timeless truth. People who keep the word. <clears throat> as Jesus was manifesting God's name to this people, it was leaving a mark. They were keeping Jesus' word. They were keeping God's message. I want to highlight a couple words that, that, that show us how they were receiving this message. Verse 7 says, Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. Jesus talking here praying to his Father. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have, listened to this, received them. And they have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. D.A. Carson says this. He says, at one level, Jesus and his teachings were in the public arena of these people. However, Jesus can testify to his Father, they have obeyed your word that the revelation Jesus simultaneously is and delivers can be briefly summed up as your word is not surprising for all of Jesus' words are God's words. And Jesus himself is God's self-expression, God's word incarnate. The word is nothing less than the truth of the revelation of God. God graciously self-discloses himself to us in Jesus. Say that last line again. This is, if you're here and you're a Christian, if you're here, you're not a Christian, we're so glad you're here. If, if you are a Christian, if you believe in Jesus, this is how that happened. God graciously, grace means getting something we don't deserve. God graciously self-disclosed himself to you in Jesus. Hmm. 
What a gift. When Jesus manifested the name of God to his people, it, leave, it left a mark. And that mark was belief, we see from this text. People received it, knew it, believed it. And then that belief created this sense of buy-in with Jesus' early followers. Look with me at verse 11. Jesus says, and I am no longer in the world. He says, but they are in the world and I'm coming to you. Jesus is, is foretelling. He, he hasn't gone to the cross yet, but he's about to go to the cross pretty soon. And Jesus is going to go to the cross and be crucified, killed, put in a tomb, raised to life three days later, hang out for 40 uh, days or so with some of his early followers, commission them to live on mission, to take the gospel to the world. And Jesus says, he says, but I got an appointment with my father. <laughs> and even though I got an appointment with my father, the mission isn't going to stop. Just the people who are manifesting God's name, that's going to change. And what we're going to see in this text is that the early disciples, as they began to follow Jesus, they were bought into Jesus' mission to continuing to get this word, the gospel, out to people who don't know God yet. Saying the mission is continuing. God is moving. What, what, what I want to highlight here is that God is, is on the move. He was on the move. He's always on the move. And that God was on the move through the early disciples, ordinary men and women, motley crew of people, getting the gospel out to the nooks and crannies. And God is on the move now amongst us. I know it. <laughs> See it. We're part of it. Keep asking ourselves that question, man. What does God want to do through me this upcoming year? <clears throat> Let's look at verse 13. <clears throat> Jesus says, but now I am coming to you. And these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Listen to this. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Verse 17, sanctify them. Say sanctify. Sanctify them. Jesus is praying to his Father saying, sanctify them. Set them apart for holy service to you. Mark them out. To live a life that is sanctified in this sense is to live a life that says, God, God my, my, my life is reserved for you. In Isaiah chapter 6, it's, it's, it's this, this, this prophet of God, kind of a mouthpiece of God, telling God's people what God wants them to hear. And Isaiah is kind of, um, this is Isaiah chapter 6, kind of struck with the, the, the godness, the glory of God. And he sees uh, God and he says, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell amongst the people of of unclean lips. He sees this woe is me kind of attitude and then you see this imagery of, 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 of Isaiah meeting God, being saved. And then Isaiah flips his script from this woe is me to this send me. 
<laughs> he goes from woe is me, who am I, to, the, to, 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 to get the word of God out to, okay, God, I'm yours. Blank check, send me. Think about a soldier who's enlisted, then sent on a mission. A Christian in the same way, saved, sent on mission. <clears throat> Set apart for service, not primarily as a, a soldier in God's army, but as a beloved son or daughter in God's family. No doubt with a mission to continue this manifesting work that Jesus is talking about in verse 6, showing and telling people who God is. <clears throat> Look at verse 18. <clears throat> Jesus says, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Before we get going on living sent, living on mission in the world, verse 18 slows us down in a good way. Says that Jesus was sent for us. This gospel rootedness. I was thinking earlier this week of um, typically a good book or a good movie. Um, not all the time, but usually if the hero dies, it's like the mission fails. In the gospel, the only way the mission succeeds is if the hero dies. Jesus' death is by design purposeful, and that he on the cross accomplished the salvation of anyone who would trust him. Part of God's sovereign wisdom and game plan to get the gospel out to the nooks and crannies of the globe, the heroic work takes place in the person and work of Jesus, living that life we're called to live, dying that death on the cross and raising from the dead and Jesus, but before we go like, okay, I got to live on mission, New Year, live on mission, that sort of thing, Jesus' mission was accomplished on the cross. And if you trust in him, it's from that place of gospel rootedness and identity of being Jesus's that then I get to kind of put on that jersey or see that Jesus has put a jersey on me and then live on mission for him. What we see happening here is as Jesus is having this interaction, this prayer with the Father, um, um, you see two big words, word and world, happening a whole bunch in these verses. And what Jesus is, is saying, he's saying, okay, Father, I'm, I'm coming to you, but the mission's going to continue, and I'm going to send them as people of the word into the world. You'll see in verse 15, some of us might have a tendency to be like, man, I don't know what is going on in the world, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to isolate Verse 15, Jesus says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Jesus was sent, so are we. That's what we see in verse 18. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Think about this then, man. To, to do what? <laughs> sent in the world to do what? One of our commitments as a church, we have four commitments. Live for Jesus, live his family, live on mission, live to multiply. That third one, live on mission. What do we mean by that? 
could define it this way as showing and telling people who Jesus is. Not just showing people by how you live, not just telling people with our words, but this combination of showing and telling. I think it's a good capturing of this word, manifesting the name of God, as Jesus is saying in verse 6. Showing and telling people who God is, what he's like. I sent off a couple of text messages earlier this week um, to people in our church just asking, man, what motivates you to live on mission? Like, why do it? Well, I do it. And a couple of responses I got. One guy said, um, thinking about eternity. He said, thinking about eternity. According to the Bible, heaven is real and hell is real. And this guy is saying, I think about eternity. And I think about friends or coworkers or family members or neighbors or whatever who don't know Jesus. And man, that motivates me to live on mission. Showing and telling people who Jesus is, what he's like. Do this. Imagine pe- people in your life. We all have, and there's folks here probably that don't know Jesus as well. Think about people in your life who don't know Jesus. It could be friends, neighbors, coworkers, family members, kids, whatever, parents. Think of names. Think of faces. It's not a game. This person was saying, what motivates me to live on mission, or one thing that motivates me to live on mission is eternity. And that the only differential according to the Bible between heaven and hell is to believe in Jesus. So this guy's saying, so I'm motivated. And I know this guy, he's not perfect, man. He's a work in progress like, like, like you and like me. But he said, I'm motivated to live on mission as I think about people who don't know Jesus. And I think about their eternity. So I want to show and tell them who Jesus is and what he's like. Someone else said this, responding to my text message, hey, what motivates you to live on mission? Just said, love. It's what motivated God. One lady said this, she says, for me, it's the idea that Jesus changes every aspect of our lives, and I know that every person has brokenness. So, I want every person to know him, because whether they know it or not, they need him. I love verse 20 here. Jesus says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe. Did you catch that? You can look down at your Bibles if you want. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe. Jesus said, man, there's people right now who don't believe who will. (laughs) Maybe some of your neighbors, coworkers, family members, friends, people that you just thought of, that you got your names, you're, you're, you're envisioning their faces. This mission that Jesus started is continuing. And people, but but I believe this, man. People who don't know Jesus in your life this year might meet him this year, and God might use you to do it. It's probably how most of us met him. Imagine this. You go to the park. 
You see a golden retriever fetching a stick. Golden retriever's fetching the stick, and it looks like it's having time of its life, having a ball, like it's meant to do this. You know, the owner throws the stick, or sometimes you see him throw a frisbee, and you go and jump and do their thing, and it's like they were made for this. Like it's in their DNA. Living on mission, if you're a Christian, it's in your DNA. The Bible says so. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20 says this. I'll put this on the screen. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, fancy words for if you're a Christian. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, a.k.a. helping other people be reconciled to God. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Imagine for a moment if that name or that face, person who doesn't know Jesus, if their trespasses weren't counted against them. That'd be good. Not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are, talking about Christians, we are, not we graduate into this, not we got to take a bunch of prereqs, we are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors, fancy word for representatives. Representatives. God making his appeal through us. You are an ambassador for Christ. It's the reality. If, if you're a Christian, God is making his appeal to people who don't know Christ through people like you and people like me. That's how he works. I want to give us two uh, kind of, I hope, simple encouragements. I've mentioned one of them, but sometimes there can be a bit of a, a, a grayness or like, man, what do we mean when we say live on mission? We know that's one of our commitments. That's kind of what we want to be about as a church, living on mission. We want to make disciples and plant churches. Part of that is, is living on mission, okay? What does that mean? What does that look like in the everyday? I've mentioned it a bit, but showing and telling people who Jesus is. If you're looking for like a handle, what do I... What is that? Live on mission. Show and tell people who Jesus is. A second handle I'll give you from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica. He says, and so, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. Paul is saying, we shared the gospel with you, but we care so much about you that we didn't just share the gospel with you. We shared the gospel with you and our lives with you. Showing and telling people who Jesus is, sharing the gospel and sharing life. Helpful handles, I know for me, maybe helpful handles for us as we lean into God's invitation and maybe what he wants to do through us this year as we live on mission and be who God has created us to be. Kent Hughes says this. He says, the scriptures guard us from isolation. 
talking about like, okay, uh, I became a Christian, and I'm just going to huddle up with my Christian buddies. The scriptures guard us from isolation and from assimilation, looking exactly like the world that we have been saved from. The scriptures guard us from isolation and assimilation and gear us for mission. What he is getting at within there, I believe, is this intentionality and proximity to people who don't know Jesus. Implemented, this might mean taking a class in the park district, taking an active part in the PTA, playing racquetball with non-Christian friends, becoming a classroom mother, taking an active interest in the clerks at the businesses we frequent, coaching a team, joining one of the many community clubs or service clubs in town, or befriending a barber or a hairdresser. As I go and do membership interviews with people in our church, there's a, a highlight of um, my day usually. Uh, usually I'll, I'll start, I'm looking at some of you and, and had membership interviews with you recently and uh, usually start off with something like, like we'll chat for a bit and then kind of as we get into the interview, say something like, man, this, this is big time important and it's not a pressure cooker. <laughs> big time important, not a pressure cooker. Mission is the same way. Big time important. People who don't know Jesus, who are heading the wrong way. Big time important. Not a pressure cooker. What I mean by that is that, that you and I, according to the Bible, we can't save people, but God uses people like you and I, according to the Bible, to save people. We don't do the saving, but we are used by God to show and tell people who Jesus is, what he's like, and then God in that saves people. We are used by him in that. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit, a couple chapters to the left of John 17 and John 14 and in John 16, Jesus is again foretelling he, he's about to go to the cross and he's saying, but the Holy Spirit, he's known as the helper is going to come and empower you to keep this mission going. God's moving through his sent people. I want to highlight a couple of things. Uh, many of you know uh, the Wilkes family, Zach and Naomi Wilkes, and they're raising money um, and being sent to East Asia uh, soon-ish. And uh, they're 80% funded. Um, we praise God for that. And I was interacting with them recently, and they're, um, a significant portion of that has come from you, <laughs> from, from this church. I just want to highlight that as a significant way of people, some of you, engaging and living on mission. Say, man, I want to get behind what God has the Wilkes doing in sending them to live on mission in East Asia. Now, now, now we can have this idea of we, heard, we hear missions and all of a sudden we get this picture of the globe. And that matters, no doubt, to us because it matters to the Lord. But sometimes we can think of the globe at the expense of our neighbors. Neighbors and nations. Not just one, not just the other. How do we engage? What does that look like in different seasons? Again, what might God want to do through you? This year, I was at a um, Stemma Brewing. Love Stemma Brewing. First time there. It was a good time with a, a friend, a member, a GC leader, a couple, uh, I think a couple days before Christmas. And we were just, no agenda. We were just hanging out, um, chatting, and we started talking about what it looks like to live on mission. And, and my friend was like, um, started talking about some of his friends who don't know Jesus and just what their life could look like if they met him. 
and kind of dream it and imagine, man, what could that be like? As you think about this question of what does God want to do through you, you think about this upcoming year, some of you maybe will share the gospel with someone who doesn't know Jesus for the first time in your life. Maybe you've never shared the gospel. It's totally fine. Totally fine. Maybe this year, you're going to share the gospel with someone. Maybe you've shared the gospel dozens, hundreds of times with people, but you're going to share the gospel with someone who hasn't heard it before. Or you're going to share it with the same person who's heard it from you before, and the Holy Spirit's going to make it make sense to their heart, and it's going to have nothing to do with your eloquence. (laughs) Some of you, we hope and pray, won't be here in a couple years, because you'll be part of other Redeemer Church plants. Engaging in those locally, nationally, and globally. As an aspect of living on mission, some of you, I think this is a great, ad, great uh, marker, I guess, of living on mission. It is some of you will be invited to a friend's birthday party that doesn't follow Jesus. That's such a win. Such a win. Some of you college students might decide to stay here after graduating from Western or BTC or Whatcom to say, man, I, I, I want to engage here at my local church and do an internship or a residency to continue to learn what it looks like to do things like live on mission. Some of you this year would just grow in a boldness in being able to share the gospel. I was talking to someone in between the services and he was saying, man, I love to show, um, sh- show kind of by the way I live my life um, who Jesus is in, in, in the nooks and crannies of my life, but I, he, he was, I think what he was leaning into was like, I, I, I want to get better at telling people who Jesus is too. And that might be some of our story. Some of you might get to baptize the person on your PDP. Imagine that. This personal discipleship plan that Paul talked about, one of the, the best tool we have for the most important thing, which is looking more and more like Jesus. And there's that live on mission section that asks, man, who is someone who you are praying for regularly, um, hanging out with regularly in hopes that they meet Jesus this year? And there's a name there. Who's that name for you? If you don't have a name, that's totally cool. You can do a, do a PDP fresh and, and put that name there. Who is that name? Imagine baptizing that person. Jesus says in verse 20, um, um, There are those who now don't believe who, it says, will believe. I just believe that (laughs) if we did some sort of poll somehow, like how did you meet Jesus, it was someone telling you about him. And I hope and pray that that story will just continue. And that some of you We'll get a front row seat to that. Some of you in your gospel communities are going to get a front row seat maybe this year by God's grace of someone meeting Jesus. And then we're going to see him baptized, see him disciple, brought up in a biblical worldview and the faith, and wanting to then share the gospel with others. I'll finish with this. Um, a couple chapters after John 17 and John 20, verses 19 through 21, we see this. And I want you to picture this. Picture Jesus recently resurrected. He's been crucified already. Been buried 
in the tomb for three days, recently resurrected. Jesus shows up on the scene to some of his disciples, and it says, shows up with pierced hands and a wound in his side. Imagine this, you've you've just seen Jesus crucified, he was dead, now he's not dead, now he's alive. He shows up on the scenes and you see his wounds. Pierced hands, wound in the side. And Jesus says this, imagine, as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. Chills. (laughs) That's spine-tingling stuff. That mission that Jesus gave those disciples is the same one that we have. That Holy Spirit that Jesus is talking about in John 14 and John 16 is the same Holy Spirit that you have if you know Christ. Same Holy Spirit that empowers us to live on mission and be who we are as we do that. big idea from this text, I think, is that Jesus was sent, so are we. Jesus was sent, so are we. As we wrap up kind of our Advent series around the Christmas season, there's um, four kind of common themes to Advent, hope, joy, love, peace. And think about it this way, as we are sent, as Jesus was sent on mission to go to the cross, to die the death we deserve, to raise from the dead, and then we, in response, to that want to live on mission, showing and telling people who Jesus is, getting the gospel that God saves sinners out to people who don't know Jesus. We're sent as people of hope. And just think about our world. <laughs> we could use some of that. Sent as people of hope to a world that needs it, people of joy, and sometimes a joyless world. People of peace and sometimes a bunch of turmoil. People of love in a world that lacks it. Man, who wants in? (laughs) That's something worth giving ourselves to. Again, what might Jesus want to do through you this year? Let's pray. God, (laughs) yeah, what a, oh my goodness, what a privilege. Um, yeah, struggling coming up with words that get at the weightiness that reflects what an absolute undeserved gift it is to be yours and then to get to share the gospel with people. God, thank you that, that you have sent Jesus, that he accomplished his mission through the gospel, God, and then, and then you invite us into that story. Not in a pressure cooker kind of way, but in a way that, man, gives us meaning and depth and purpose. Holy Spirit, would you lead us? God, I pray that, that, that this year, God, that we'd be able to celebrate baptisms, people who don't know Jesus, who met Jesus. God, that we'd be able to celebrate disciples being made and churches being planted. God, that we'd be able to, 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 to celebrate in little ways, medium ways, big ways, every kind of way, God, of what it looks like for us to collectively live on mission.
God, it's so worth us. So worth it. And Holy Spirit, I know that, that, that an hour on a Sunday morning isn't going to do it. Um, Holy Spirit, we need you to act and for you to stir in the good things from your word that we are getting into, that you, Holy Spirit, would cause those things to stick and cause us to be transformed, even one degree of change at a time. Invite us in further to what you are doing in our city, in our county, our nation, our globe. God, you are on the move. Help us lean in. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.